Hello and welcome, Friartown. Today is March 4th. We are going to be joined by Ted Bancroft and Carson DeRogers on a special edition of the Friar Podcast Roundtable. I am Billy Ritchie, and this is the Friar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 29 of the Friar Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Billy Ritchie, joined by the great Kevin Farhar. And I'm in a little bit of a better mood here at episode 29 than I was in episode 28. Um, there was a lot to process as we put out the Ed Cooley departure episode. We really appreciated all the feedback and all the love that we were actually talking about basketball, talking about the team, talking about the future of the program. And this week, we had an awesome press conference with both the new women's head coach, Aaron Bath, and the new men's head coach, Kim English. We have lots to talk about. But to be honest, guys, let's not hear from me. And Kev is the GOAT. But let's not hear from Kev. Let's hear it from two guys who've lived it. They've lived coaching changes. They've lived the Friar culture. They've lived the ascension of the Friar program from the dark days to the Ed Cooley days in which we will look back and admire. These gentlemen, we interviewed them for the 2014 pod series. They're good friends of ours, and we're just excited to have a conversation around the state of the new Providence basketball program under Kim English. Ladies and gentlemen, Carson DeRogers and Ted Bancroft. Welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks for having us on again. Good to see you guys. So as we were chopping it up offline before we started recording, You know, the end of the season was an interesting one. And Kevin and I saw it from one vantage point. But, Ted, we could start with you first, and then we'll go to Carson. What did you think when senior day came around? I feel like that's when things really started to turn. Yeah, I mean, going into the game, obviously, you start thinking about the seniors, and you expect them to show out and and hopefully have the best game of their career. And I remember reading a stat after – where it was the worst home loss since 2004. And just remember looking, thinking, I know this team has fight. We've seen it. We saw it in the Big East tournament, even against UConn, even when they we thought they were down. But going into that game, you're like, okay, this is almost free money in the, in the gambling world that Friars are going to blow the doors off Seton Hall. We, I can't remember the last time we lost senior day. And then it just you start watching the game and you're almost, you don't recognize the team and, you know, it's a, okay, we were a slow starting team. It's been like that all season. And then it just, we made seeing all look like a national contender. It almost felt like, so walking out of there, you know, my heart, I felt for the seniors, to be honest of this is their last time at the, the amp. Um, you feel bad for them and you think, okay, you know what? that's going to motivate them going into the Big East tournament. So try to see the bright side of this. But that game I is one of those games that when usually the coach goes in the locker room and says, we're throwing away the film, pretend that game never happened. We're going to just start over from here. Yeah, I hit it on all accounts. Carson, what would you think? Yeah, I mean, before that game was the Xavier game, you know, spotted them double-digit, a double-digit lead going into the going into halftime you know in the first half um same thing with Seton Hall and you want to continue it same thing with UConn 
Um, same thing with Kentucky. And yeah, that was a, that was a bizarre game. Um, I, you, you don't want to have a, a three game losing streak going into the NCAA tournament and, and senior night, like Ted said, you don't want to lose on senior night, right? The, the coaches do a great job of, of talking that point up, you know, to, to the younger guys, the freshmen, the sophomore, that's the, 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 the juniors cool used to always say senior sense of urgency. Um, that's something I use now coaching as well, you know, um, being assistant varsity and it, it, there was no anything sense of urgency in that game, you know, just, just in, in, and to make matters worse, that was one of the worst offensive teams in the Big East. And they scored, I got it, I had it up right here. They scored 82 points. They yeah. probably hadn't had 82 points, maybe a couple games all year. They they can't score. And, and you spotted them double digits. And of course, you know, that's when the rumors started to, to whirlwind, right? And and uh and unfortunately go into the NCAA tournament, losing to UConn the next game. Um with a three-game losing streak. And you guys hadn't been in this situation when you were at PC, but, I mean, I think the hope was that, you know, the NCAA tournament comes around, it's the start of a new season, you can flip the page, but just how hard is it to do that? You know, I, are, are players confident enough that they're like, whatever, that was a blip? Or does it start to creep in your head a little bit? Like, all right, we're on a losing streak here and things are going downhill a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? Because I would say maybe for the first time in the history of the NCAA, we were almost the first top 20 team to not make the tournament in two weeks, right? So, like, yes, even a couple losses, the Xavier loss, yes, it hurts. It's a way game. I, I feel like it was still a decent game. Um, but then seeing all you get blown out, it's like, all right, forget about it. But then you start looking and you start almost questioning. I was questioning the team. I'm like, there's no way we don't make the tournament. We were just top 20. And then everyone starts thinking back to the beginning of the season. And you're like, why did we play Jesus like fairly Dickinson or, or Colgate, like those games and like our net now comes into play. So mm -hmm. I think it's those things like the, the lack of certainty around the tournament that kind of just adds a little of the distress to just everything, right? Like that game should have been a blip, but then it turns into a week of unease and during practice, it's you don't have that kind of swag that you're hoping for. And then, again, you walk out into the UConn game, right, going into the Big East tournament, and you just get absolutely blasted for 27, I don't even remember, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. If that if they didn't come back and make that a game, if I'm on the NCAA committee, I'm saying, sorry, Providence, like, you don't deserve it right now. You're just not playing NCAA tournament basketball. So – Usually it's a it's a little bit of a blip, but I just think with everything and, and kind of the way the season had transpired at the end, I was I was on edge when I feel like I shouldn't have been. I mean, hold on. Yeah, go you ahead. Mentioned Fairleigh Dickinson, right? The the, the uh, <laughs> conference schedule. That, that was, example, that was to, I was thinking back to like 2005. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Um, but and Colgate, the coaching staff, you know, to rally the troops. Um, I a yeah, I mean Ted, Ted, Ted nailed it. You know, um, I, I, I just going into going into that with going into the the Big East tournament, going into the NCAA tournament with a losing streak, with the rumors 
I constantly was being reminded of um, St. Peter's last year with Holloway. And in, I mean, almost instantly, as soon as St. Peter's made the tournament, they won their conference tournament. It was, oh, Holloway's a lock. You know, uh, was it Willard's going to Maryland? Holloway's going to go coach, as a, coach at his alma mater. But he was able to rally those guys. And, and I was thinking, you know, that that Cooley and the staff were, was going to be able to do the uh, the same thing. But, I mean, there's, there's, there had to have been some more layers to that um, where, you know, I don't know if it was a, if it was a matter of guys couldn't buy in. If it was a matter of, um, you know, the distractions were too much, guys thinking about, you know, the, the next move and things like that. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, didn't work out for us. And and let me let me say this, right? And you guys will agree. We're playing a Friday night game in the prime time, 7 p.m. NCAA tournament against a blue blood Kentucky in a 6-11 game. One of those games where it just seems like there's hope, right? where the 11 seed could easily knock off the six seed, you know, history repeats itself. And the vibe was just so clouded, right? We couldn't get a clear picture on the hype and the will to, to rewrite the Bryce Hopkins story, especially, right? When did we ever think we'd have a Kentucky transfer on our side playing Kentucky on round one of the NCAA tournament? And we just, I just feel like it was clouded that we couldn't pull the energy we needed to win. What did you guys think? You turn on the TV, 7 p.m., you know, again, in Greensboro, North Carolina, watching your Providence Friars play Kentucky. How did you feel going into that? I mean, here's another Fairleigh Dickinson reference. They, that's when they beat Purdue. I, didn't, I only was watching that on the top. I didn't turn the, turn the channel off of – were we CBS maybe? I didn't turn the mm-hmm. channel off of uh, mm-hmm. Providence, Kentucky, you know, watching it with a couple friends and they're, you know, look at the school, look at the school. No, 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 I'm not – Changing the channel, not missing this. Um, yeah, the bright the, the the revenge factor would have been nice. Um, and then you look at that part of the bracket where you win, you get the lowest seeded three team, right in Kansas State, and you win that. And is that the, was that in the Marquette game coming up, right? Because you can't play a Big East team, like uh, a conference team, the next round. You have to play it the round after, mm-hmm. and you start to look ahead and you go, you know what? In MSG yeah, cars, right? Would have played in MSG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Ted and I talked. We said, we said, if they're if they're at Madison Square Garden, we you have to get tickets. You have to be there. Carson, real quick, had you been up against, or can you think of a comparable player to Oscar Chibwe when you were in college? And just like, if not, like, what's it like to go up against a guy like that? Is just like pure. Yeah, form. give me a second to think that. Now, now, I mean, I think the easy comparison is Sonogo on UConn. Um, I think Toshiba is a little bit more athletic and, and, you know, I don't think I'm too off here. They're both for the most part, and I, I know Toshiba is a little more athletic, but they're both for the most part skilled around the basket below the rim will pivot, 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 reverse, pivot, pivot, pivot over left shoulder, over right shoulder. Um, and, you know, you know, the, the guys, maybe a little bit bigger and wider, but you got um, um, Josh Smith from Georgetown. I'm thinking Matt Stainbrook from Xavier, um, Gardner from Marquette. Those guys play below the rim. They're wide bodies. And all you have to do is, if, if they catch it with both feet in the paint, you're doomed. And that's what coaches are going to tell you. 
But if you can push them out, if you can make them catch it a little bit further, then they start dribbling, dribbling. Your guards dig. Your guards can, you know, try to get them to pick it up early. And all your job is is just to wall up. All you have to do is wall up. And me as a seven footer, um, it they don't have much lift off of the two feet in, in a post move. Whether it's a whether it's a right hand jump hook, left hand jump hook, as long and as long as you don't jump, it, it's going to be a tough two. You know, coaches preach tough twos and things like that. Um, I I'll be honest. I was watching, um, you know, the UConn game with Sonogo. And then of course you mentioned, uh, Shibway thinking, you know, oh, I would love to be in this game defensively just because I think I've had success against a lot of those guys, you know, uh, a couple Sandberg games, Josh Smith guy, Josh Smith games, holding them to below their average. Um, and, and again, pushing them out further enough where your guards can help. Cause you can't double those guys because you saw Sonogo. And I think it was the last game had a career high in assists. You know, he's going to yeah. figure it out, even though he doesn't pass much it, 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 on the highest stage, he figured it out, kicked out, and, and he had a, a career high in assists. And, and Ted, did you think that Kentucky team is – I mean, they seem pretty – for Kentucky, pretty average and pretty beatable. And I don't know if, like, you know, you guys see the game differently. There's an athleticism we're not seeing. That's why PC struggled. But they seem pretty pedestrian for a Kentucky team. Oh, agreed, 100%. And I do want to just – I want to ask Carson, when you say those guys, <laughs> those guys don't have much lift. Do you qualify as a guy with much lift? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> are you jumping? Are you jumping on a 48 inch box? Off uh -huh. of, call Coach White. I'll call Coach White, White just, right now. Yeah, I'm just curious. But no, <laughs> to your point, Kevin, the team, I was not impressed whatsoever with Kentucky. If Oscar didn't have 25 rebounds, I want to shake his hand because there was 10 balls that I swear were in their hands in his hands. He just grabbed it and it became his. It wasn't like he was jumping to Carson's point, jumping over the rim. Like he wasn't living above the rim. Just carved on like, face. Yep. Long arms. And just when it came to 50, 50 balls, I've never seen someone dominate that so much as he did that game. And I would have to go back and look at their stats, but I remember thinking I was watching with the groups and it was just nobody was making any shots. It was just he was collecting so many rebounds that, you know, you shoot 30 percent for a game, but you get 12 offensive rebounds. It's a very different game. It's just law of math. Uh, but no, in, in regards to all the Kentucky teams that we've played, going back to like the Harrison twins and that like Julius Randle, this was by far not to say they look like a mid-major, but it wasn't a, a Calipari team. Yeah, I mean, we uh, played Kentucky, and they had their blue team and their white team with eight McDonald's All-Americans, you know? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, five it wasn't on, five off. Yeah. Five on, five off. And, um, I mean, somebody should have checked his hands for some Elmer's glue after the game because I, I was saying uh, the same thing. I was saying the same thing. I was like, this man, like, he is just – his hands just attract to the ball. It, it was – Ed Croswell's a beast. He was a monster. And I'm watching him – and, again, he's boxing him out. He's get, the hands are on the ball. And every time, it just felt like he was coming up with it. And it after a while, I mean, that's deflating, right? There's only so many times you can have the ball in your hands and literally like an adult taken out of a child's hand at playing Easter basketball. Just, this is mine now. Like, goodbye. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So – we covered the Seton Hall game. We covered the Kentucky game. And then it comes out, Ed, we are going to know the fate of Ed Cooley after 12 years, 
after a Big East regular season title, after a Big East tournament title, after an NCAA Sweet 16 run, after a lot of memories and a lot of great times bringing the Friar brand back. We're going to literally know whether he's going to be our coach in a matter of a couple days. What did you guys feel in your gut was going to happen? I mean, I, I was, it was probably the hardest week ever to just stay quiet. I know Carson, you put out a, a good thread around like you were very intellectual. I was still breathing. I was still just keeping it in, trying to make sure that, okay, one, I trusted Steve Knapp. I wanted to see where the program was going. Growing up, third generation Friar, like mm -hmm. it goes beyond just my playing days. So I've seen coaches come and go. I lived next to Dave Gabbitt for God's sake, growing up. Like I mm -hmm. was, I was more invested as a fan at this point than I was a former player. Mm -hmm. And so knowing the team and knowing a little bit of more of the inside information, I wasn't too surprised. I had kind of seen the writing on the wall, you know, Carson, Casey and I are texting and we kind of like, we know a little bit more than, than what's out there and kind of are prepared for it. Um, I think the hardest part was it almost felt like, like a divorce, right? Like you love this man as a, as a fan. I always wanted to see him win a national championship. I finally, we've had great, great coaches, like unbelievable people that go through Friartown. I mean, and now F UConn, go Jim Laranega, like let's win the championship, Miami. Um, but mm -hmm. like as a fan first, I was heartbroken thinking, okay, I dream of a national championship. I thought he was the guy that could bring us there. So I was hurting more for the school um, than I was for, for myself and, and kind of the former players. And, and a lot of the, if you look back at, at the players who tweeted out, it was all respect of, Hey, Cooley, thank you. What you, what you've done for us. And I mean, how I think about it is when I walk on campus and I see the facilities, there's no way I can look back at Cooley and say, you know, screw you, right? Like you did so much for this school and for this brand that even though we had a messy divorce, you, you gave a, you were a trust fund, right? We, I got, we, we split the money. I got a great new house. <laughs> I'm going to find someone new. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to continue <laughs> to build on this brand. And, and yes, the first few months are going to hurt and I'm definitely going to root against Georgetown, but in three, five years when I'm, I'm over it, I'll be rooting for Ed Cooley and, and hoping that, you know, the best of luck to him because he transformed the school uh, like many coaches that, before him. And unfortunately we thought we finally got one that would never leave, but it's unfortunate he had it. He made a personal choice and, you know, I appreciate all he's done for me in the, in the school, but yeah, it was a, it was a tough divorce for sure. What, what an analogy, Teddy. I, I thought of that right before this. I was thrilled. <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> a liberal arts education. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when the rumors swirled and, and, you know, losing to Kentucky and then, you know, season's over now, if those rumors are true, Georgetown can really pursue that, you know, for however long you were hearing those rumors. I just couldn't believe, and I said this on Twitter, I couldn't believe it was an in- conference team you know if he went out and uh you know 
a team like Michigan, like a couple of years ago, reached back out and he took that job. He took, uh, you know, a program similar to a Michigan, right? And maybe not quite a blue blood, but one of those more successful teams throughout history, um, especially recent history. Um, all the power to him. You know, I, I think the, to take Ted's analogy, I think the divorce would have went a lot more smoothly. Um, but the fact that it was in conference is I think where a lot of us fans, right? Ted just said, you know, he's a fan. We're just fans with, with experience, right? With experience behind closed doors at this point, you know, we are what, seven, eight years removed. Um, but yeah, that hurts to go in conference. Um, and then you start, I, I said this on Twitter too, you start thinking Georgetown, I think two and 37 in the last two years, you know, um, and I'll save, I got some, I got some thoughts about that. I'll save those for later. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you, you, you don't want them to be true. And then when, you know, those, those verified accounts really start saying, no, no longer say sources, say the deal's done. You, you, you hurt a little bit. You, it, it's, it's tough because, you know, Cooley, Cooley was the man. Cooley, Cooley is the man, you know, he was our coach, but we also have a relationship with Providence college, with the city of Providence, you know, um, and listening to Kim English's um, press conference, right? He said, you know, previous players, previous, you know, like fans and all that, you're still a part of this program, you know? And, and we know we are, but it's, 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 do I want Cooley to have immediate success? No, no. You know, I think, I think. Three years, did, man. Three uh, years. Yeah, three yeah, years. yeah. Like the three yeah, or five years, you know? And, and I think we will be successful, but I think <laughs> short term, short term, you know, you, you want to come out on top and, and so far so good with where we're at. So what do you guys think it's like for the current players? Cause obviously there's so much vitriol, I mean, towards Cooley everywhere in social media and these guys are kind of in a weird spot, right? They, they're still province players, but I'm sure they're very loyal to Cooley. So, and again, I know you can't speak for them, but how would you have felt being in that position where all of a sudden everyone's completely dumping on this coach that you committed to and, built a relationship with like can you imagine what that's like for them I mean I think just to kind of look at Cooley as a man right um I, and I know who uh one of the recruits hasn't hasn't committed yet but the recruits that committed to Cooley right Cooley the person are now following him to Georgetown I think that's kind of a speaks speaks volumes on on who he is um but in terms of the current players on on the roster yeah that's got to be that's got to be real tough because you know, coach went from having a statue built outside the dunk or, or on campus, you know, um, to public enemy number one in the span of what, 24 hours, right? 48 mm -hmm. hours. Mm -hmm. um, so close to, I think the numbers add up, you know, six or seven seasons, maybe away from being the all-time winningest coach in Providence history. Um, and yeah, the players have to be going through it. I think the press conference, the way Knapp has Steve Knapp has handled things has to help. Um, the speed in which, you know, the new hire happened. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's time to turn the page at a certain point. It, it, it is a business. You see that with the portal. I think the latest number I saw was 1200 players are in the portal. You know, at the end of the day, people are going to do what's best for them, whether you agree or disagree with that. Um, and, and yeah, I, 
I was definitely feeling for the players, right? Go, having gone, gone through a coaching change, not with this publicity for sure. Nowhere close to this. Um, but, you know, it, it, it uh, I feel for the players. And I think, you know, as, as the next, I don't know, 24, 48, 72 hours happens, we'll get some more decisions and we'll have a better sense of, of where the team's at. So it's funny, Cars. I have a slightly different take. I'm more surprised with the recruits, right? I don't know if I'm a recruit and I see my coach promise me all this while I'm out of Providence and then up and leave and I see the news. From my standpoint, again, he's made promises to you. If I'm reading the news, he just promised Friartown I'll be there forever in two days. How I, I feel like I, I would be a little more concerned around the incoming recruits and trying to convince them like, Hey, I did this for the best of us. Like, I think that's a harder conversation. And in regards to the current players, I remember thinking, man, I wish I was in Providence on this team right now, because there's two ways this goes. You, if someone takes leadership and I, I wish I had Bryce's number to say, Bryce, call in the boys, sit in the locker room and say, Hey, we're a top 20 team this year, right? Our coach quit on us. It's okay. If we stay together, there's no way we're not entering this year top 20. We have to have faith in this. And again, I'm sure they, they'll have to meet the new coach and et cetera, but it's more of a hang tight for one week. If we buy in like we've done for the last year together, we're starting this year in an incredible position, right? And then Kim English obviously coming in Awesome ad. He's been incredible so far. I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, I never want to play him one-on-one. That's for sure. <laughs> but I think it's a make or break moment. You can either, if Bryson or Devin said, I'm out, I think the entire thing crumbled, right? And the fact that they were patient and listened to him and Kim was good coming in saying, let's go to dinner. Let's talk to the family, build a relationship very quickly it's a matter of, of a day or two that, you know, Friartown, not to say we're back in the, you know, Davis era in, in the early eighties before Sham got in them kind of revitalized the program. But like, it was a, a very nervous few days there. And, and again, I think we're still all on edge to just say, please just fire off that Instagram of like Friartown, we're back, you know? Um, but it's definitely, it's, it's, it takes good leadership in that locker room. And it feels like if, if they come out of this with that and they're still a unit, that I believe in this team a lot. That means without a coach, we've gone through adversity. That's about as much adversity as you can go through. And to come out on the other side is speaks volumes to, to the leadership and that in the culture in that locker room, honestly. So yeah, you see that. I mean, right now, right, you mentioned a couple of those guys, but Corey Floyd Jr., is the guy who said I'm coming back. He's getting the one-on-one interviews with the media after the press conference, right? And all yeah. these comments are now saying Friar for life, like like he's the man, he's the man. And that's if if this team all comes back, they're they're legends for that, especially keeping those lofty goals. And you know, Ted, you said like the top, you know, 20, top 25 preseason would be awesome. But you know, the expectation stays the same. People yeah. go their own separate ways all of a sudden. Okay, now we're, instead of being up here, you know, now we're middle of the pack. Um, but yeah, that changes. If a couple of those commitments happen, that changes a lot of things and keeps the standard 
you know, keeps the standard the standard. And Bill, I just got one more follow-up. So guys, I was always curious, and I know it's dependent upon the kid, right? But how, when you're committing, how much of it, to me, I thought like, I can't put in percentages, but a huge percentage I always thought was the coach. But if you're breaking it down like a pie, like how much of it is the coach versus the college or versus the facilities? And, and, and again, I know it's different, but, you know, for you guys and your teammates, like how did that kind of break down? I'll take this one, Bancroft. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I was probably like, <laughs> regardless. Could be, Kev could be coaching. I'd be like, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> um, but we said, I, I hear what you say with, uh, you know, the, the, I was ho I was hopeful of that too, right? The recruits kind of go, oh, you know what? Wait a second, right? Promises, promises. Hold on. I did love the school. Um, but if I'm getting recruited, right? If I rewind the clock back to 2006, 789, um, it, it's it's the relationship with the head coach. And I think that's why Cooley was so successful here was he was getting some recruits that, you know, pre-facilities, pre-Ruane Development Center, um, maybe almost had no business getting, especially being on the, the list, the top three, the top five list some of, of some incredible basketball players that ended up going blue bloods or, or you know, really, really, really cream of the crop. Um it's the relationship with the head coach, you know, the assistant, typically an assistant will recruit you. Then you kind of get, you know, your foot in the door with the head coach and then it's a combination. Um, yeah. I don't, the recruits, like, I don't blame them with that. I think, you know, it, almost all schools at a certain level are going to have comparable facilities and, and things like that. But you know, when you do see, I already want to go into Georgetown versus Providence, but I'll wait for that question. Um, uh. But when, but but you definitely uh, you you commit like like what's a, what would be a good percentage you commit it's over fifty percent to a coaching staff I think especially as a freshman you know they don't they're not a they're not a, a, as a as an incoming freshman they're not a freshman on the current team that have experienced the culture have experienced the fan base have experienced campus life you know things like that um, I think it's different if you're going to transfer out. But those incoming freshmen, they don't know the school. You know, they've only been here for 48 hours on an official visit, you know, a whirlwind of a visit, seeing things. Um, yeah. Bancroft, you got anything? Uh, no, I think you kind of know. I'm, I'm not laughing. I just realized you're wearing your uh, Let's Eat shirt. He's probably going to try to market those from the 2014 year. I should have trademarked this. Yeah. It, was an ep it was an epic shirt. Yeah, no, but uh, agreed. And I mean, it's like when you go to work and, and now that I'm in the business world, right? The first few years of your life, it's not what you do, it's who you work for, right? So having a faith and trust in your coach. And I think what I'm starting to understand or what I believe around the transfer portal is that these guys are now the opportunity to go out and transfer and not sit out a year. They're getting new promises. And so even though at the end of the day, it's probably going to be the same. And I always look back on Josh Fortune, who was a great player at Providence, but he went and transferred because he had new promises, right? He wasn't comfortable with what, where he was and didn't like his role. And so a new coach, it's very easy to come in and say, hey, I'm going to give you the world. You're going to be our point guard. You're going to be our number one guy. And then you get there and what you'll quickly realized like Bryce Hopkins did at Kentucky, right? He's talking about Calipari saying, you're our go-to guy. He hurt his back for one week and played three minutes for the rest of the year. 
I think they fall in love with the promises and it says a lot about the coaching and the transfer portal. But if you stay because of the culture, I think it's a teammate thing. Do you love your teammates? Are you happy with knowing, okay, we have a new coach coming in, but it's like, what's stronger? Your belief that you need a coach to be successful or that if we collectively as a group stay together, we'll be able to win games and, and make it to the next level. And again, that's what, that's what I'm hoping kind of happens. And I can't remember which team in the NCAA tournament, uh, but their coach was talking about, we're going to bring in new guys. And, and they said, no, don't do it. But so now every time that they're down, the coach would say, remember, we didn't enter the transfer portal. You guys promised like you'd stick together. What do you got for us? And it would kind of put the edge of like, oh yeah, that's right. We're still a team. Like we're going to do this together. It's kind of like nowadays, right? Switching from job to job for, for, for these guys, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, this company's paying me X base salary. I can go over to this company and they're going to pay me this base salary. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's free agency without any risk. Mm-hmm. And I think Kim English was pretty candid and, and honest about obviously he's upgrading conferences. He has some Rick Barnes connection. The program's in a great place. And then he, you know, he said, I didn't even realize how passionate this fan base is, right? Look at all these people on a work day at 11, 11 a.m., which it's Rhode Island. You know, I mean, economy's not the best, but we, we, we can get to that another time. Um, all these people show up to my press conference at 11 a.m., you know, on a weekday. And like, you're, like we're saying with the kids coming in, they, don't, they, they may know that, but they haven't felt it yet. So when they're committing, they're probably committing to the coach, right? They don't know about the Providence, how it's the one show in town. They don't know about Murphy's. They don't know about, you know, they don't, they don't, <laughs> they don't know about the buzz bus. Like they, they don't know about Providence yet. Right. So, and Carson, I want to shout you out really quick. When we were doing the 2014 pod, you said that something was missing in Providence, right? The first time around when you were getting recruited, but when you came back around the second time, Ed kind of provided that sort of connection that was missing. Right. Yeah, no, I've been using that line. You know, I think probably there's an article out there when I did commit to Providence after transferring. Um, you know, that, that, that's, it, it's true, you know, and I think so far so good with the transition of power between Cooley and English, right? I think that press conference, the fans, I mean, needed, needed something to rejuvenate them. And I think mm -hmm. that press, that press conference, whether you went live, you, you saw it on the stream, you watched it later, saw the quotes on Twitter, um, I mean, was exactly what a lot of a lot of the fans needed. How about that savage line from Steve Naft to open up? He's like, "You wouldn't have cheered for me last week." <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> um, all right, but let's let's get to the to the take of all takes, right? This is probably the main the meat of the episode, right? Georgetown and Providence, right? Two completely different jobs. We have one that that has certainly seen better days. As you mentioned, I think two Big East wins in the past couple of years. You've seen a huge downturn in recruiting, not really any updates to facilities, bad fan attendance. And we have us on the other side, great fan attendance, upgrades in facilities, uptick in recruiting, overall brand just identifying with the city because we're the main show in town. If you're a recruit and you're looking at Georgetown and you're looking at Providence, A, What's a better job to take from 
a player standpoint and B what do you think about Ed Cooley taking on this challenge of trying to revitalize Georgetown? Ted, I'm taking this. I am passionate about this, man. So uh, when am I getting recruited? 15 years ago. And right now I'm not going to Georgetown. There's, there's, I mean, today I'm not going, you know, they're two and 37 right now. They're again, I'll use the word rejuvenate again. They're rejuvenated with new coaching staff. Um, a lot of talk about the future. They made some changes, but you look back at, the Georgetown teams, you know, in recent history, they are just, it's just lackluster. You know, there's, there's no excitement. You mentioned, I think you just mentioned, right. The, the off-campus arena. Um, I, I don't, I don't like that. You know, you want an on-campus arena or as Providence is, it's the only show in town. Um, you know, I think the exception to the, to that rule would be Marquette playing in Pfizer in Milwaukee. Um, but it, I don't, I don't think of, I don't think of, uh, rab, a rabid fan base with Georgetown, right. To try to pack, what is it? The Verizon center. Um, mm-hmm. I keep seeing the comment on Twitter, all the, you know, in, in Friar town is insane with, with all these burner accounts and whatnot. And every time someone <laughs> on Georgetown's tweeting, they're all going, man, I've seen you and your 12 fans like responding to this. Um, you know, I think, uh, the Washington wizards, tweeted out a picture of Cooley on Jumbotron. They have a million followers. It got 12 retweets, you know, just the, the Georgetown brand is not the Georgetown brand of old. It's, it's, it's not, you know, and I had to do a little research here. So besides, let's see, besides, you know, the 2006, 2017, that's Jeff Green, that's Roy Hibbert. They went to the final four. Okay. Besides that, that that team and, and we'll go from we'll go from Cooley's first year in Providence 2000 what's that Ted 2011 yeah 11 okay. 12 so I got uh NCAA tournament second round first round NIT NCA third round nothing 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 NIT COVID NCA first round nothing nothing and you compare that to Providence and it, I mean it, it's similar you know, Providence has a sweet 16, right, which, be, which would be considered the third round. Um, haven't been able to make noise past that. But, you know, fan, the fan base was always thinking it was coming. Um, I just, it, the Georgetown name to me, and listen, I'm a kid from New Hampshire. I don't live in the DMV. I didn't, you know, um, I'm not a point guard. I didn't grow up watching videos of Allen Iverson in, in, in 95, 96, maybe. Um, it's, it's, it's it's a no-brainer if the recruits allow kind of the the pros and cons list to to, to establish themselves to, to establish itself you know um you look at I, I knew a couple guys uh or of some guys that went to Georgetown back in the day and I I don't know if they were they were terribly pleased with with you know what they what they experienced um in terms of Providence, everyone that I've talked to, they, they, you leave campus, you, you leave after four years, you transfer in like I did after three years. And it's a whole different story, right? It's, it's the only show in town. And, and that is a huge, huge selling point. And I think, you know, Kim English is going to do an unbelievable job just listening to, to what he's been saying with, again, keeping the program trajectory going up, not, not, keep, not keeping it the same not going down and, you know, 
I think I think he'll be judged on NCAA tournament success. And I think, you know, the, the nucleus is very, very close to coming back. And if that happens, I we will continue to have success here at Providence. And then the next few years are going to write themselves for Providence and Georgetown. You know, there's no doubt that Georgetown in a few years with Cooley, I, again, is going to be successful. Ted said it. Um, I agree with that. But right now, Right. And that's 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 the that's the question everyone's asking right now. It's not we're not looking into the future because we don't know what's going to happen. But right now, Providence, Providence College is the better program to commit to if I'm a recruit. Was Georgetown a brand for you guys when you were high school? I mean, for me, like I'm a kid of the 90s, right? Like I, my first memories are like Alonzo Mourning, Matumbo into Iverson. So for me, like, I don't really remember the Ewing years. I was a baby, but. Like to me, that was a huge brand, and, and I still felt like it was. And I'm not sure that's me carrying my bias. My sister went there when Iverson was there, so I have all this history with them. But you know, with like 2008, 2009, is Georgetown at that time? Did you guys see it as a big brand when you were in high school? No, they just have a good logo and a good uh, mascot. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, and if my if you ask my sister, yeah, they got a bulldog. They got a bulldog riding a skateboard at halftime. <laughs> yeah. If you ask my sister who visited there, they have a great library as well. Uh, but no, even when we played Georgetown, I remember the kids on their team, and this was, they're running the Princeton offense. I know exactly. I'm not going to name names. Go ahead. I know exactly what, what game you're talking about. Yeah, the point guard was like, F this. Like, this is terrible. I want to stop running this off. We want to play. So like, A senior. Our, a yeah, senior said that. Starting captain, probably averaging 20 a game, but like, it was when we were there, it felt like the program was in disarray already. They were tired of kind of running that Princeton offense, the back doors, the slowdown game, like the game of basketball had been changing and it felt like they were behind. And to Carson's point, they've been behind, right? They had a, the eighties. They were fantastic. Um, since then they have Roy Hibbert and in that season, they were obviously good. He was the largest man in, in the NCAA tournament, which definitely helps. Uh, but at no point did I ever even think of them like a Syracuse, right? And I know they do the Syracuse-Georgetown every year. And I don't know the last – well, Syracuse has fallen off. But I don't know the last time Georgetown has really competed in that game, right? Like That's a they, great uh, – getting recruited growing up, Syracuse, Syracuse, Syracuse. And, again, we're New England kids, right? We're not DMV kids. We're not, yeah. you know – maybe you can consider pass a DMV uh, to, you know, New Jersey, New York. But yeah, Syracuse, in terms of a program name, was that's a good comparison. It was way up. Georgetown, no. I'm not going to disagree with that because I compared them to West Virginia on the last episode, and that probably wasn't right. But Because I, <laughs> 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 I, I gave more love to Syracuse brand-wise, for sure. There was not a question, right? Um, Georgetown just seemed defeated the past 10 years or so, right? And, and, and I think for our generation, that has really hurt the brand. Um, but with that being said, right, let's close out on Ed and let's go into the future, right? Ed, Ed went from a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, you know, to having any valet in any restaurant with the best table on Fed Hill. And now I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if he's getting, you know, <laughs> I don't know what table he's getting now. So obviously a huge fall from grace. And we're still in the fog, right? We haven't cleared the fog yet of, of just kind of fully getting out of the situation. 
And obviously that will hopefully come when we hear some decisions about the returning guys. But in your guys' opinion, this is your guy. How has his legacy changed? What, like, what, what does it stand as now? Yeah, that's, I mean, the hardest question to answer, right? I think when they built the statues out front, they, they left a little space in preparation for him. And now, I don't know, I'll, I'll have to go back and look to see if they moved it over a little bit. But I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, it feels like every time a Providence coach leaves, it's like gut-wrenching. There hasn't been a, a clean exit. Um, and so I'm trying as a fan not to overreact and, and make sure, you know, I do want him to come back and he's a Providence guy. And again, he's the facility and, and where the program's been. I think the, the way he left, I have no choice but to believe that it was for personal reasons. And at that point, you know, I'm not going to throw any stones. And, and I understand he's probably going through it emotionally as it is. So, yes, as much as I was crushed, I'm, I'm trying to kind of swallow my pride and my, my anger of, man, you left us high and dry. If, if Steve Knapp wasn't so prepared and didn't have a list ready to go, I would be way madder. I'd probably hate Cooley. But fortunately for, for myself and for Friartown, the team on the back, which, again, part of helping building a great brand is having a strong support cast and AD and Kerbeck. I'm thrilled he's staying with Providence. Like, those guys really matter. And Cooley, of course, is the face. But, like, the structure built behind Cooley was strong enough that, you know, they were able to take the hit, which to me is, is helping me kind of forgive him a little bit more and say, okay, you know, the first few days have gone by. Maybe I'm a, I'll be a little understanding and think personal reasons. I know Olivia is down there and, and she'll probably be president someday. So he's always loved her. Like that's his baby girl. So maybe it is a lot of that. And, and also as a guy who lives in Boston, and I love Providence more than anything. I also understand the change of scenery, right? And, and Carson, who's lived for your die till he dies in New Hampshire, he also left. He went to Wake Forest, then he went to Providence. So maybe you just hit that point in life of like, I got to try something different, um, which, you know, you, you kind of have to understand. And then my big conspiracy thing is maybe the oh pressure is <laughs> the, the pressure, the pressure's off. Right. Providence, we were getting to a point. I mean, a few years back as fans. And again, I'm talking as Ted, the fan, like Ed is not, you know, Ed versus Coach Cooley. Um, I'm talking as Ted, the fan. He was starting to feel, OK, we've made seven NCAA tournaments. We've made it to the Sweet 16 once. Even as a fan, you've got to start thinking, do we settle with making the tournament every year or do we want to keep pushing at, at some point? You know, 10 years, 15 years in, there might be some frustration there. I can also understand on the other side of, hey, you know, I know how to rebuild brands. It's an exciting new thing to do. I can go into Georgetown. I can take a talented team, a great brand, and I can bring them back to life. And I can spend five, seven years doing what I did at Providence. A little bit of the pressure's off. I'm not going in every year with expectations of, we need to make the Sweet 16. Like, if you make miss the NCAA tournament, it's a bust of a year. You know, the pressure's kicking in. So, from his perspective, maybe he's thinking, 
I'll do five, seven years at Georgetown. I forget what his contract is. And then we all know he's going to be on the radio and, and on television. So right off into the sunset, saving two brands, not a terrible way to kind of spend your career. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, I would have loved the national championship. I also understand the pressure and everything he was going through and, and Providence is small. So I wouldn't love, I mean, I go out with Carson all the time and, and how many times do people ask him, how tall are you? After a while that, that, that gets frustrating. So I can see Cooley wanting to, to mix up the vibes and, you know, get a little downtime. Yeah. You know, I always thought Cooley, if he did, if when he did leave would have either been to the league because he's a, he's a player's coach. Right. And, and, you can tell the coaches that are players coaches. I think a lot of the successful NBA coaches are players coaches. They're not, it, everyone's an X and O guy if you're a coach, right? If you're a successful coach, but you're not, I don't even know how to describe it. You're not a, uh, you know, a, 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 you're not unapproachable. You know, Cooley is very approachable. I always thought he'd be successful at the NBA level because you're coaching men. You know, you know you're no longer coaching 18, 19 year old guys. I also thought he'd leave Bancroft. You said it for TV, you know, radio TV. Um, he'd say he'd say he has a he has a face for radio, right? Um, but he uh, again to go in in conference and make that that decision. Just it, the the stones to make that decision is 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 nuts, you know. No pun intended. <laughs> so, that was good. So, that was good. <laughs> so, um, it, ha it has to transcend basketball. That's why I'm a little patient on it. It's like, oh, it, absolutely. Can't, it can't be strictly basketball. There's no yeah. possible way you can think. And again, we've had some of the greatest coaches of all time come through Providence College. We can win here. There's no way it was strictly basketball because it just – the narrative doesn't fit and he wouldn't want to tarnish his career the way it unfortunately ended. Right. Like I have to believe there's some other rationale, uh, personal, emotional that, you know, I don't want to harp on him, uh, get too hard, which is why I'm a little gentle with, with the, with the divorce. Yeah. But you know, what is Cooley's legacy, right? He's, uh, you know, the Friars coach from what was it? 12, 12 seasons. The, the, the expectation was the NCAA tournament. You know, that wasn't happening from, you know, and I know uh, Kevin, Bill, you got to fact check me here. Um, that wasn't happening or maybe it happened, you know, once or twice with, with Welch and, uh, and Davis. Um, and to go from the bottom of the Big East, the old Big East, to transition into the new Big East, which you hear UConn saying in the Final Four is the best conference, you know, um, you hear the players saying that. And, it, to transition into that, to have success, I think he was the, were we the third most successful team maybe in, in the new Big East? Um, I think third or fourth in, in just in terms of wins or losses. But, you know, that's that's the legacy, right? He he changed the narrative of what Providence basketball was. And he did it pretty damn quickly. You know, when, when Ted and I played, um, did it with a couple of transfers. He had Ladante, his, his, his number one guy, right. The, the first recruit who, who, you know, was instrumental in, 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 in kickstarting that and jumpstarting that run. And every other player that came in after, after us 
continued to perform at a high level. The coaching staff never changed, right? I, I you know, uh, two, two coaches, um, but the core of the coaching staff never changed. And that's huge to have the core of a, the, the nucleus of a coaching staff for 12 years, the head coach to stay for 12 years to get a program out of the cellar and, and back up to the top where, where, you know, we're being ranked and the expectation is to be ranked at some point in the season. The expectation is to make the NCAA tournament. I think that's, you know, as, as hurt, as, as pissed off as fans are, you have to remember the good, right? And, and I think again, PC basketball is in good hands with, with, with the, the, the way things are trending and sooner rather than later, you're, 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 you, I think everyone will look back on those days with a little bit more appreciation than, you know, the, 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 the vitriol that, that these, that, that some people are, are treating it with. And as much as it was surprising that he went to another, another big East school, um, is there an element to that? It's almost a safe landing spot because he knows the league so well. Like if you're going to the Big Ten, you're learning all new coaches, all new everything. You know, I, I, I always thought, and I think Cool even said this with John Fanta, that basically, you know, it helps that he's leaving, but he knows the league. I mean, how how difficult of a transition do you think it would be, or maybe not much at all, if he had gone to the SEC or Big Ten? I mean, I imagine the styles are pretty different. Yeah, I'm, uh, first off, I'm surprised that the language of his contract didn't ever say <clears throat> when he did leave, or, you know, if – that it would have to be outside the conference. Um, again, times times are changing, right? The, the transfer portal is huge. NIL is happening. When I transferred from Wake, I, I got a list. I had to go sign a list with the with the AD and the head coach uh, that I couldn't transfer to any school in the ACC, any school that we were going to play non-conference the next year or the year after that. The list was 25 or 30 schools. So I'm shocked that that was even an option, you know, but I, it, it has to benefit him, you know, to know all the coaches, to have those relationships, to know styles of play, to play in the gyms before, to know about the travel. Um, yeah, that's, I think going to the big 10, the SEC, I think would be a big change. Um, and there won't be, you know, the personnel on that, on that Georgetown team is really going to change. You've seen the numbers of people transferring out, but the, the, uh, there won't be any surprises. And I think, you know, that that'll help in, in, in the, in the short term. Yeah. Hot take here. I love that. He's still in the big East. <laughs> I mean, in regards to considering it for the league. And, and again, I'm thinking I even rooted for UConn a few times, but again, now they're playing Jim Laranade. So I don't have to root for UConn, but like in regards to selfishness for Providence, give me Rick Pitino at St. John's. Give me Cooley at Georgetown. If we didn't have Kim English, I probably would hate him at Georgetown. Now that I believe in our new coach, let's go. Our league, if we continue to advance, everything gets better, right? Hawkins, in, in all the comments you mentioned earlier, Carson, is like, we're feeding better recruits into our pipeline because of this. And again, I hope we blow out Georgetown by 80. And my God, I cannot wait. I'm buying renewing my season tickets and getting more just for the Georgetown game. I gave it away <laughs> last year. I'm going to the game. Like I'm excited for this. I, I love the rivalry. UConn's getting off nicely because now we're so focused on dominating Georgetown for the foreseeable future. But I'm again, now that it's a week removed and, and I like the future of our program, 
go ahead, Cooley. Let's 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 have some fun with this. Good luck coming back to Friartown, man. I he's probably having nightmares about it already. He's got to be thinking about it. Oh, <laughs> walking in that gym, my gosh! The first thing we we better smoke them by fifty. No, you know you know the schedule. The schedule is going to come out. It's going to be they're going to wait for a snowstorm. It's going to be <laughs> at eleven a.m. and it's going to be an alumni hall. Yeah. Uh, Ted, you, you told us in our uh, 2014 podcast about how Cooley essentially showed you guys when you played BC and Fairfield, like these are non-losable games. So can you even imagine what his, his message is going to be before this one? I can't even imagine. And I'm, I'm hoping if we have the core still on our team, these guys are going to – I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried about the fans. I hope they don't have the tall boys out back yet. Put everything in plastic cups. Keep extra police at that game. It's going to be crazy. And and I know he's going to come in wanting to win. I pray to God uh, Val gives us the home game first versus us going to Georgetown. I think it's the least they can do. I'll call Danny Gavitt, see if he can pull some strings. But give us Georgetown at home for the, maybe even the New Year's game, right? Like, Give us the prime time. Let it happen. I think it'll be exciting. Um, so, yeah, that's I, – I can't even imagine. Yeah, the, the league should really buy into this, right? It, for, we were on first take. It was national news. I know. Every single blue check or whatever they call the check marks now on Twitter is tweeting about it, right? Uh, headline on ESPN. Um, oh, yeah, I'm taking the, what, the highest alternate line I can take in that game. I'm taking <laughs> – <laughs> I was on a plane watching Perfect. the first take where you know they're talking about Stephen A and JJ and like, they can't defend Cooley. And I had my headphones half and I was like, wait, wait, wait. PC was just on first take. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, and we might break the Guinness Book of World Records for most smuggled tall boys into one venue <laughs> for that for that first game. But Kev. You gotta talk to Nap. Yeah, yeah. So Ted, you kind of touched on a good point. I didn't even think to ask this, but can you guys even imagine what it would be like to be a PC player in that game? Like, could you imagine some bizarro world like 2014 Cooley leaves after you guys win the Big East and he's back in 2015 with you guys and Chris and LaDante? Like, how would you even process that? Cars, you want to go first? Because I don't think I could have Kevin specifically it. said, Ted, you made a good point. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you handle this one. I mean, yeah. I'm it, it's such a shock, especially if you think about being a transfer where you're Bryce Hopkins, you're sold the story, you come in, you have an, a great year, they're hyping you up. And then not to say he, your coach quits on you with three games left, but, you know, the rumors swirl and, and you feel like you're let down. Jeez. I'm I'm in the gym every single morning thinking about that game. I hope Kim and again I know Kim shouted out Cooley the right thing to do because he built the program, et cetera. But if he doesn't feed that fire and say, hey fellas, just remember, this is the man that brought you from Kentucky and South Carolina to the cold city of Providence, built you up and then left you, give him hell. Like I hope to God Cooley gets a bruiser on that team because those boys are going to be ready to go. I'd, I'd be interested to be a fly on the wall in that locker room leading up to that game, because there's two trains of thought you, you take that route. Like you just explained, or, you know, it's like any other game guys, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. Yeah. I, 
No, no, but I would love to know what Kim English, what route he's going to go through, right? The game at Georgetown and the game here. Um, but yeah, the fans, the fans aren't going to, we know, even at Georgetown, I bet that game too, fans are not going to allow it to be any old game. We know that, but I'm curious as to what the coaching, what route the coaching staff is going to take with that. You know, I watched the Cooley press conference on the, uh, the bike at Planet Fitness, and I'll tell you, the heart rate was spiked. So I can, I can, I can only imagine what the guys are going to feel. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I was at easily level eight on the, on the planet fitness bike. Um, I'm a big planet fitness guy too. Just you can watch, you can watch so, that stream with all the buffering issues. Yeah. Even my, I was surprised my Rhode Island Wi-Fi came through. Um, and I certainly enjoyed a Tootsie roll as I walked through the planet fitness lobby. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we got some work in, it's all about the work as AJ, as AJ Reeves would say. Um, Let's talk about him English, right? And I'll only call him him English from now on. Um, <laughs> you know, I like his demeanor. I think he's all business. He's already out on the road. He's already going after recruits. He brought in a few of the George Mason guys to start. Joshua Duro seems like a serious player. Um, what is your guys' take on what he needs to do other than keeping the guys on the roster to kind of reform this team? Because he's talked a lot about four guys out and one guy in the middle, like playing like, more of an offensive style than we've seen under Cooley. What, what do you guys think about his approach and what he's mentioned so far? So my big thing is bring in the alumni. Let's get the alumni back <laughs> selfishly, but, but also somewhat seriously is like, I want, I want the alumni and, and us players to embrace him and give him some comfort. I know, obviously you set, set your tone, right? Um, so what, what now, or whatever the phrase is that he can't, I love that. That was a good start. It's kind of like, Hey, who cares where we've been? Let's move forward and keep doing our thing. Um, so I am curious to see, I know he's, he's a very personable guy. It looks like, and he's good with the players. You know, I'd like to see how he is stern. Like, is he, I like to see a practice. I'd like to go watch a practice to say like, okay, you know, relating to your players is an awesome thing. Uh, but same thing, like Carson, you're a father, you know, like you can be your son's best friend, but sometimes you got to be tough with them. Right. So I'm, I'm curious to see once he gets a little comfortable and, and understands kind of the community and, and the team, like how he translates from a recruiter and, and a good guy and, and very personal to like, okay, we had our fun it's business time. Like how does that translate? Does it become a four out one end? Does everybody get to do their own thing? Is it a, you know, pass first? Is it a run and gun offense defensively? What's the mindset? I love the persona. I love his speeches. I thought even Bath did an awesome job that the press press conference through and through was perfect. Okay. Uh, yeah. So now I'm just curious to see like, okay, I love the bravado and and cool is a great example of like great bravado, great talker. At the end of the day, you're on that basketball court. Like how does it translate? And I'm surprised to say, I didn't watch any George Mason games this year. I don't know. (laughs) I'm sorry. It just wasn't on my radar. Uh, But I, I am now curious to see, like, I love so far. We've got the brand We're we have the confidence like what are the next steps in into kind of reeling it in into an actual like sustainable program and, and discipline, almost like a hate to say, but like a business type of thing now. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know, I knew the name Kim English. I 
if if you would have said, you know, where is he? Where is he now? I would have said uh, still assistant coaching at um, Tennessee. I didn't know that he. I, I just must have missed that he was at George Mason. Um, you know, I think being 34 years old is really, really going to help with the recruiting like Ted touched upon. Um, but I'll talk X's and O's for a second, right? Uh, you know, Ted, Woody, and I have a group chat going and Woody uh, made a comment as the rumors were swirling about, about him English, right? Uh, something in the, maybe in the 300s, right? Bottom third, I'll say bottom third offense. Uh, but funny enough, in the media availability interview, he touched upon that. I don't know if he was prompted or he did that on his own. And he mentioned, right, uh, his best shooter was out for the year this year. Uh, maybe another shooter was out. He said um, the year before his first year at George Mason would have been more of a uh, more of a picture of what fans can expect in terms of playing style. Him with, with Rick Barnes um, at, at Tennessee, I think, watching Tennessee in the tournament this year, I mean, arguably the most physical team, right? I think it's a top five defense offensively. It's kind of a slugfest, which I think we we're used to. This was the outlier season for us Providence fans, right? The top, I don't know, 30, top 35 offense. We're mm -hmm. used to seeing slugfests. Um, I'm really interested to see the type of recruits once he starts recruiting his own guys um, with, you know, he said he loves, I think, did I read a quote? he counts corner threes as four or five points in practice. Um, so that kind of leads to a run and gun style, you know, a, a, or a drive and kick style. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, Ted said it, to go from Cooley to so far what we've seen with Kim English, um, I think, you know, Friartown is incredibly fortunate with, with the, the level of, uh, personality that we've had you know it easily could have been name a coach right and I, I had some coaches that I definitely don't think I wanted to be on that short list and they would not have had the the bravado the energy that 34 year old Kim English has you know I don't know how many coaches are playing one-on-one -on -one with their guys um and and he passes the off the court test with flying colors you know when time's going to tell what the on-court test results say, and hopefully it's all positives. From my side, to conclude here, I wouldn't ask this question last week, but I'm going to ask it now. Ted Bancroft and Carson DeRozier, will you play him English in full court one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, are they playing full court? No, no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's I'm I'm going to full court. Go ahead, Ted. <laughs> Carson would definitely say yes. I don't think I could make it up and down the court twice right now. I'm, a, I'm an elliptical guy at Planet Fitness, Billy. You know that. Oh, I do. Yeah. It, it, it's incredible how the heart rate could spike out of nowhere. Yeah. Unbelievable. The elliptical, yeah. it's easy on the knees. Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick, football guy. It's a football guy move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would. Uh, I, you know, I would. Um, you know, you mentioned a question to go right practice. I um, Or Ted, you mentioned practice. I'm excited to go see a practice at some point, right? Reach out to, uh, thankfully, Kerbeck is still on the staff there. Reach out to, uh, well, at least, you know, in in, uh, in, in the department and uh, get there for a practice and kind of see, you know, how he runs it, what, what, what uh, you know, offensive tendencies, defensive tendencies, things like that. Um, but yeah, it, his last night, what was it? Uh, Carter tweeted that at, I don't know, 9.30, maybe nine o'clock. Instantly screenshot of that, said that to Ted. 
And then a second later, Ted screenshots the response from Kim English, sends it to me. And I'm like, no shit. That's fucked. That is incredible, man. That's awesome. <laughs> and then they awesome. played it like 7 a.m. I show up at work and they're live on Instagram. I'm like, this is unbelievable. So are we allowed to ask you guys a question? What are your thoughts? You're, you're the experts here. We're just like the, the washed up former players. <laughs> I know we're the experts, but I can start. I mean, for me, I think what you talked about, Ted, earlier, my concern now is the pecking order of the Big East. You know, there weren't many days off. Not that St. John's is a day off before, but now you get Patino and you've got Cooley, right? So, and I guess what I was going to ask you guys, I think my, and it's hard without having seen him play and, you can look at the numbers, but like the caliber of players going to get at Providence is different. So the style of play could be different too, right? Um, I mean, I, I just like from how he can connect with the kids, I think it's going to be great. Um, I just don't know how much, you know, there's probably still a pretty big learning curve there. He's only been a head coach for two years, right? And that's as much as he's played in the NBA and been an assistant, you can learn a lot there. I think there's just a whole different set of responsibilities, right? And I think it's, you know, it's a pretty big leap from Mason to Providence. Um, he certainly seems capable and confident, but I'm sure, and he's admitted in podcasts and things like that, like the first year at Mason was a big learning experience. And, you know, when Cooley came here, he was probably at Fairfield for like five or six years, I think. Um, and he had been an assistant in Division One for, what, like almost 20 at that point. Um, so I think that that's my only concern at this point. But I think from like a personality standpoint, um, I think you guys hit it in the head. They needed like a really strong first song to come in because we've lived through, you know, not to disparage previous coaches, but like, you know, Welsh and Keno Davis Warren is like rallying personalities. And I think if you went from a pure like basketball coach who didn't have the persona coming from Cooley, that would have been a really tough thing to kind of bounce back from. I think the fan base needed someone to feel like they could rally around like as a personality. So to me, that's what's really exciting about them. Uh, Bill, what do you think? From my perspective, oh, yeah, go ahead, Ted. Well, I just love the Keno Davis comment, and it, you honestly nailed it, right? Like the perso personality. The Keno Davis hire was a uh, he won Coach of the Year. We just need to show the fans we're getting a high level talent. But if we did that now, to your point, what would have happened to Friartown if we had a quiet guy come in and just like that would have broken the program in itself, let alone, you know, no losing players, et cetera, et cetera. But I hadn't even thought about that. That's like an excellent point. And then the other thing is, is St. John's arguably the preseason favorite to win the Big East? I don't even know if he's signed a person, but I am so scared. Yeah, we only have three Patino. players right now, so not I'm, yet. I'm, yeah, I'm so he's scared of Rick Patino at St. John's <laughs> where like, for some reason, you're always scared of St. John's. They're always athletic. Like, they're, you know, there's no discipline, this and that. And now you're like, wait a minute. They have one of the top 20 coaches of all time there. And he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to clean house and get my guys. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, my God. I saw he just went on a home. He's on a home visit with a kid who, and, and I don't know the name. I don't know what school, with a kid who already committed to a college. And he's going on a home visit to his house. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he'll be entertaining as hell. I mean, the other thing, too, with Kim English, I thought was really cool. Ted, something you said kind of sparked this thought is he's flipped the narrative really quickly a couple of times, too. Like just yesterday, I think it was yesterday. The days are passing so fast. <laughs> but Drew Fielder, you know, commits to Georgetown. Kayvon decommits and goes to Georgetown. Jaden Pierre is in the portal. 
So you're kind of reeling a little bit like, okay, this thing's turning. And then he goes and does the Instagram live thing that night. And, you know, he's the story. You kind of forget about all that other stuff. So yeah. and it may not be intentional, but intentional or not, he really flipped the narrative like really quick. And then the next day came his presser. So like all that bad pub from 24 hours before kind of goes away. And that's kind of the way, way it's gone the last two weeks. It's been like such a dizzying week with news dumps every single day. But I feel like, you know, that I was feeling a little like, and, and you're not surprised when like Fielder and, Kayvon go to Georgetown, but it's natural to be like, oh God, now I, and I I'm high in Jaden Pierre, so I was kind of bummed that he was in the same. Um need a point so, guard. Send out the send out the uh press. Send out the presses, man. Need yeah. a point guard. Yeah, I still want Pierre to come back. I want back. Yeah, yeah, they'll um, find someone, but I just thought the fact that he's able to flip the narrative that quickly, you know. And, and again, I don't know if he did it on purpose. If he did, that was a master stroke to be like, okay, here's how I'm gonna do this. And it worked out amazingly well. Billy, what's your take on him English? My take on him English and the Friar community right now as a whole is as follows. Number one, seeing everybody come out for the press conference from Mineral Spring Avenue to Route 37 to 295, even on time, Rhode Islanders, never on time for anything. I can, I can, I can certainly confirm that, and so can you guys. Uh, I was impressed. Like, that was a big thing for me because it was like, it wasn't, we're not skipping a beat here, right? We're not taking this on the chin in the sense of the school and the brand and the city. So that was step one. In terms of him, English himself, um, love the persona, love his pros- his prospects to prospect and recruit, right? To get out in front of guys and convince them because when you're in that sort of head coach role, you go from being a coach to almost a salesman, right? You got to pitch the school. You got to pitch the school. You got to pitch the city. You got to pick, you know, pitch like, you got to paint the picture because a lot of these kids haven't stepped foot and understood what it really means to step up in a Friar uniform and, you know, and play in front of 12,500 people again from greater North Providence. Um, I think that I'm most excited to see us turn a page on some of the slow starts that we had in the Cooley era and the, in, in the first half of, you know, having 20 points shooting around 20, 25% from three, not seeing a lot of inside out action um, because we, a lot of the times, and you guys know better than I, it's like we relied on defensive intensity to win games. I am excited to potentially see a different style of offense that plays or caters more to today's college basketball recruit or today's college basketball player who wants to come in, wants to take threes, wants to be flashy. We moved well away from the flex many years ago. It's not about the flex. I know I gonna, people say, love but- to get on the flex. The flex won us a biggest championship, but holy shit, if I never saw that again, I'd be the happiest man in this country. <laughs> I have been, I've been coaching. I've been coaching for four years now. I haven't put it in. It's 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 on the last page of the playbook. I've never put it in. I, I still have a friend, Joe Kerpus. I I talk to him maybe once a year. Yeah. yeah. Anytime Cooley would run the flex, he would text me. We'd call it chop. He would say, "Chop it up, chop it up." Just. <laughs> <laughs> haven't talked to him all year. I get the text, chop it up, chop it up. I'm like, oh my god. I don't know if you guys saw a couple of years ago. Craig Smith and Jared Dudley were going back and forth on Twitter. There was some video in BC one. I forget some big game or the ACC championship, and they were like, "We did it playing the flex," and they were kind of laughing back and forth. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah, he yeah. coolly got it from Skinner, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What a treat. <laughs> <laughs> From 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 my perspective, I think we all are on the same page here. We like where Friartown is. Him English certainly 
acknowledge that Cooley helped build us to where we are and that he's going to try and take us to that next level. I love that. And um, I'm really excited for him to embrace the brand and take it to a different direction because it's been 12 years. It's been 12 years. So I don't know if you guys have anything to close out, but this has been an amazing conversation. I had no doubts that it would be. Um, We can get to your Thursday nights now and having some fun, but you know, a lot has happened in a very short amount of time. As I mentioned, the fog is still clearing in Friartown, but at the end of the day, it seems like we have our guy. Huge shout out to Steve Knapp. And, you know, we hope that the decisions of some of the current players in, 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 in coming back next year, we hope it goes our way. Thanks for Absolutely. having us on. You know, Ted said it, we're, we're, we're washed up at this point, but it's nice to be able to come on and uh, chop it up with the guys, Teddy, right? <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, let's, uh, hey, maybe do dinner before the Georgetown game. Get a couple beverages in and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Billy can need a couple. Too. I've I've seen you guys out at Murphy's pregame. You know, you guys still have it in you. There's no question. <laughs> but but I think for this one, we might need a Casarino's chicken parm before we go yeah. out there. Hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Thank you guys for joining. And awesome. as always, go Friars. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to episode 29 of the Friar Podcast. And of course, a special thank you to our guests, Carson DeRosiers and Ted Bancroft. We'll be back in the coming weeks. And as always, go Friars. <laughs>